0: Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, be inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith.
1: Well, another Sunday night, another uh, reason to be very grateful and also inspired so enjoy being here with you every sunday as always on the way home want to let you know who our great guests are tonight we have a gentleman an entrepreneur by the name of bill schufelt he com- came up with not only a non-alcoholic beverage that is beer but he did it in the form of an ipa and let me tell you it's almost impossible to tell the difference between the one with the the real juice in it and the one without it's so exciting to hear his story as well and um then we will be speaking with anil delawala all about tech advancements and also our final guest uh will be talking about how you've got to be a little bit careful because new cyber threats have emerged uh so, sort of in in result of having the pandemic. So we want to find out about that so you can stay clear of and be safe from cyber threats. Well, the program per usual is brought to you by Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule and the whole health system. I always talk about the fruits and veggies in a capsule and how they give such incredible immune support and energy boost and mind clarity and the rest of it. I don't, talk about the third product as much, but it is just as important. It's part of the the trio of products that Balance of Nature offers. It's called Fiber and Spice. It is truly a wonderful product that um, there is no other like it because it is purely just fiber and spices, but 100% natural. There is nothing else added. Uh, Just like Balance of Nature fruits and veggies, the only thing in the capsules our whole food that have been pulverized and, and the nutrition has been um, completely saved. Well, the fiber and spice is the same. And you can tell just by opening it up what it, a plethora of wonderful, wonderful uh, aromas of these spices and fibers. And it's really, it's something my dad calls the magic potion. Um, my family has been taking it for over seven years now, and it truly is remarkable. You can get products, fiber products at any pharmacy, of course, but they're all with synthetic products in it. Why not have something that's 100% natural as made by nature itself? The fiber and spice and the fruits and veggies. You can get the whole health system by becoming a preferred order customer. And when you do so, make sure you put Laura into the promo code. That way, they know that you heard it here on the way home. And it will give you 35% off of your first order and free shipping. So it's all about balanceofnature.com. Go there and put Laura into the promo code, or you can call them at this easy to remember. Number 800 800 And remember, Laura into the promo code. Coming up, Bill Schufel is going to talk about his wonderful transformation into the world of non-alcoholic beer and flavored seltzers. And it's a great story. You won't want to miss it. This is The Way Home. We'll be right back.
2: Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time.
3: I'm 57 and poor construction and I had a hip replacement and sore joints and not feeling too well. And I was limping around and feeling really depressed. I've tried different supplements and different things, but with Balance of Nature, my body just feels better. I don't limp. And it's kind of weird because at first I wasn't sure.
0: And then a couple months into it, I just noticed I'm walking and I'm like, hey, man, I'm not like sore.
3: I'm not limping, nothing. I'm sold on it. I've actually talked some family members into taking it and stuff. I'm walking and everything's great.
2: Whole fruits and vegetables are the perfect fuel to power the cells in your body, giving you the stamina you need to handle your day-to-day activities. And that's what Balance of Nature is. Whole fruits and vegetables delivered to you in a convenient capsule form for only 22 cents a serving. Balance of Nature provides you with a natural energy boost without a caffeine crash, a three o'clock slump, or an early bedtime. Our proprietary blend has no additives or fillers, just the full nutritional value of 31 different fruits and vegetables.
0: I'm healthy. I want to stay healthy. I like the idea of what the product is all about. I believe in the body's ability to heal itself, and I also believe that fruits and vegetables from God's great earth are the best way to do that. This is derived right from fruits and vegetables, and there's no extra chemicals involved. And I thought, you know what? If I can just keep my immune system super strong, I'm in favor of it. So far, I've been able to avoid any sicknesses, and I just like to stay out ahead of these things.
2: Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code Laura.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, I'm trying to think of some of the uh, interviews that I enjoy the most. And uh, uh, one of them had happened to be about uh, the best bourbon in the world. Um, But then if we uh, flip over to another concept in alcohol, that being non-alcoholic, I'm very excited to have on my next guest, Bill Schufeldt. He is the uh, co-founder of uh, Athletic Brewing Company, which happens to be a non-alcoholic uh craft brewery um in the United States that is absolutely going gangbusters. There's a wonderful story behind it. He's uh a little bit from uh Greenwich, Connecticut, and also from uh now Encinitas, California. And uh great to have you, Bill. Thank you so much for being on the way home.
4: Thank you so much, Laura. Really appreciate having me on.
1: So I went through a stint, I think it was about 15 years ago, where I didn't drink for three years. And the only thing because I I just a, a whole a whole host of reasons why I wanted to do that. And so I ended up, you know, if I did have to celebrate um, in any way or wanted really missed having something, I would go to a non-alcoholic beer, um, you know, and, and back then it was pretty limited as to what you could have. So uh, tell us the story of an athletic brewing company, all that you're doing, and then the brand new product, the offshoot of it, the, the day pack.
4: Very cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, our company emerged exactly from that. It's, I think it's a total marketing misconception how many adults don't drink or only drink in very specific occasions or days of the week, where I think beer and alcohol marketing would have you think that 95% of the population has a drink a night, and where really 50% of the adult population has 0.1 drinks or less per week. And 57% of adults have not had a drink in the last year at any given time. And um, that was a World Health, World Health Organization stat. That's um,
1: pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah.
4: And so uh, about eight years ago, um, I had, to my part, I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. I didn't have 50 ideas and chose one. Um, I I really had a really... A financial career I was very happy with. It was intellectually stimulating. It was stable. I was working at one of the biggest hedge funds in the world and thought I'd do that the rest of my life. Um, But similar to what you just said, I was slowing down my drinking and ultimately stopped because I really just wanted to wake up and feel good every morning. I wanted to be sharp at my job. I loved waking up at 5, 6 a.m. and working out in the morning before getting my day going. And me and my wife were eating more organic, plant-based, healthy food. And as I got into my late 20s, I was feeling how all those inputs like resulted in outputs and how I felt and performed and slept and everything. And really found alcohol was somewhat of an unproductive element of my life. And so I, I stopped drinking. But like you just said, I, like, I still love doing everything I used to love to do. I was a huge craft beer guy, foodie loved going to restaurants with my wife and friends, sports bars, weddings, barbecues, anything. And there I was handed the kids menu at all those occasions. And it was either a sugary soda or a very sugary mocktail. And I really just wanted a good beer and to feel normal for this positive decision I'd made. Um, and so before I knew it, I was reading brewing textbooks, trying to figure out why non-alcoholic beer hadn't evolved in 25 years. Um, uh-huh. There, It's funny, like the whole grocery store has changed in the past three decades. And there was this one dusty corner with the exact same products it had in the 1980s. And they were probably outdated and unoriginal at that time even. And um, so, yeah, I did a bunch of research. Um, I continued to feel better and better like in my choice about stopping to drink and anecdotally realizing how many other people don't drink out there and how underserved those populations were, how how people don't feel included in so many social situations if they're not drinking, Mm -hmm. and really just realized that there was a huge positive impact to be had by presenting more inclusive, better, healthy options. And so two years of research snowballed into the first breweries in the country dedicated to totally non-alcoholic beer. And before I knew it, I was an entrepreneur in non-alcoholic beer, something I had never even thought of <laughs> 10 years before and was kind of off to the races. So, yeah. Isn't that
1: a, was that pre-pandemic, Bill, or, or was it in the middle of the pandemic?
4: For sure. So I did business planning from 2014 to 16 and then quit my job in 2017. And we launched in the middle of 2018. Um, wow. Yeah, so in that time, me and our other co-founder, John, who is a super talented uh, alcoholic craft brewer in his prior life, he's a super taster, has unbelievable recipe talent, and is a great chef. Um, Me and him homebrewed in an empty warehouse on Gatorade jugs for a year, trying to figure out the perfect process to make good non-alcoholic beer. And that's really where, so we finally had that dialed in and our brewery built in the middle of 2018. And it's kind of been off to the races since then.
1: Wow. I, that, you know, there were a couple of non alcoholic beers that actually had, you know, pretty good taste. They had kind of honed in on that. It actually kind of tasted like a beer. I could kind of suspend my disbelief for about, you know, five minutes and, and, and yeah. it did pretty good. But what is the difference? So what is it that you're doing with, with your beverage? What do you call it? Do you call, you just call it non alcoholic beer?
4: Yeah. Athletic beers, non-alcoholic beer. And it's, it really is great beer that just happens to be non-alcoholic and we use organic grains, hops, water, and yeast. And it's really just same recipe
1: except without the fermentation.
4: Yeah. Just no, ours are actually fully fermented too. So that's, yeah, that's part of the difference. Is John and I came up with our own totally unique process. And, um, yeah, so we fully ferment the beer, just controlling things along the along the way. And, um, yeah, it comes to a fully fermented beer under
1: 0.5%. That is fantastic. Now, is it available everywhere, Athletic Brewing Company? And it, is it called Daypack? Do people look for Daypack, or do they look for Athletic Brewing Company?
4: So Athletic Brewing is our, like, core brand of non-alcoholic beers. And our main two products are our IPA and Golden Nail. And those okay. are in stores almost throughout the country. Um They're in, say, all the Whole Foods, all the Binnies, um, like really everywhere through Chicagoland. Um, and um also available for free shipping online. Oh, so, great. Yeah. So Daypack is our first brand extension that's spun out of Athletic Brewing where, so we're using some of the leftover hops because like, recipes of hops call for all different sizes and they come in these 55 pound bags and so we had all these leftover hops and some fruit from our sour beers and different stuff and before we knew it we were putting fruit and hops in bright tanks and making these like delicious fruity hop seltzers Um, and we were just making for fun on our leftover tanks with water and our brewing team was drinking it so much all day and we were serving it for free in our tap room that people actually started asking if they could buy it and we were like oh like we know how much we were drinking and people loved it and so we spun it out into our first brand extension which is it's kind of like where like beer has great occasions but there's a lot of occasions in life where if you're holding a beer even if it's not alcoholic people are going to do a double take and be like what's going on like it's like Bill's drinking beer at work today um and <laughs> so it's right. kind of for all those other hours of the day non-beer occasions where you just want a zero calorie zero carb super refreshing fruity hoppy beverage the yeah we're kind of positioning it as like a more premium seltzer basically
1: yeah because the seltzers really just took over in the past two years. I mean, it's been outrageous. Every single company, beer company in the world has a a fruited seltzer, so to speak, but, but they are just that they're, they're a little on the bland side, but, but they're good still. And some of them do have alcohol in them. It's interesting that you did that because I actually like to take a little bit of Chambord and put it in my beer sometimes to make it a bit sweeter because i like the sweeter beers or whatever so this sounds like it would be right up my alley no calories no alcohol yes. to make you feel yucky but all the the glamour of a of a of a good beer and a good seltzer i mean it just sounds fantastic and, yeah. and what does day pack mean what what is the the name day pack where did that where did you come up with that with
4: Yeah, it's kind of something you just throw in your day pack and you can take anywhere if you're going to work. If you're going out on the trails, if you're going on a boat, golf course, anything Um, like really just something you can drink all day anywhere. And it kind of goes into any occasion. Um, Mm -hmm. And we've definitely found that um, like so there's usually like one or two beer drinkers in the household. And so they tend to like order our core non-alcoholic beers. But then we find everyone in the household drinks the seltzers. So where they might be drinking a case a month of beer, like all of a sudden we see people ordering like two additional cases of seltzer on top of it. And that's I think it's replacing like the more mass seltzers that are very watery or unoriginal. And people love people love getting that like blast of hops or like the premium fruit in uh, in that taste at any time during the day.
1: Absolutely. It's just great. You know, I I guess necessity is the mother of invention. You found a need in having a a better quality non-alcoholic beer and therefore uh, Athletic Brewing Company and Daypack was born. It just sounds, it's wonderful. And I know that, uh, so you said you can order it from anywhere. It's in most supermarkets across the country. You could find it basically.
4: Yep. Yeah, we have a store finder on our website for both. So athleticbrewing dot com and drinkdaypack.com for the two sites, but they also they're under the same athletic brewing also.
1: Athleticbrewing.com dot com and what what day drink day
4: dot com yeah
1: okay great stuff well I I love your story and I love that you just changed your whole life you even moved from one coast to the other but your breweries are are they breweries that people can visit and take tours or eat there or what t- explain the brewery experience one in Stratford Connecticut the other one in um, San Diego
4: yep yeah, so we have the only two facilities in the country that are totally dedicated to non-alcoholic beer. Uh, the first in Stratford, Connecticut, the second in San Diego. Stratford was our original that we outgrew. Um, there is a tap room, a non-alcoholic beer tap room in the first one in Stratford, mm-hmm. and we'll be doing pop-ups um, out in San Diego probably too.
1: So. Fantastic. By the way, Bill, I've heard that in addition to creating this fabulous brand that athletic brewing is is also donating some of the proceeds from all of it to is it cleanup trails and and parks and things like that tell us a little bit about your initiative the two for the trails
4: yeah so we founded our two for the trails program as a foundational program for athletic brewing in our environmental and sustainability where we donate two percent of all sales to trail and park cleanups across the country and it's not just like one big donation, but it's like one, three, five, ten thousand dollars everywhere across the country, all sorts of trail and park systems that are in need from like urban playgrounds to like really backwoods of main trail systems. And we actually just kicked off. Um, so the first part of our Two of the Trails program this year is going to be a five hundred thousand dollar grant where organizations reach out to us all over the country and apply for part of that $500,000 to donate their trails and parks. So it's it's something we're hugely passionate about, and really excited about.
1: That's really beautiful. It's like um, thousands and thousands of drops of seltzer can go to make one great big uh, impact on our, our outdoors. Thank you so much. That's such a great idea and even more incentive to buy uh, both, both products that you have, the beer and the seltzer, happy news in, in the middle of or the end of a pandemic, I should say. Uh, Bill Schufeld, I'm I'm grateful and I'm happy for you and and all your great success with the Athletic Brewing Company, AthleticBrewing.com, and DrinkDayPack.com. Go to the websites, find these wonderful non-alcoholic options in an IPA tradition like craft brewing, brewing um, that really raises the bar. And I'm sure you're going to have a lot of people. Wanting to copy, but uh, there's never anything like the original.
4: Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, Great to have you on the way home. Thanks so much. And uh, I don't need to say drink responsibly after this.
4: (laughs) Thanks, Laura. Yeah, drink anywhere. (laughs) Thank
1: thank you. Founder of uh, Athletic Brewing Company, Bill Schulfeld, thank you so much
4: for being on the way home. Thank you so much, Laura. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, as if the pandemic hasn't changed just about all of our way of uh, living life, but the way we do business as well. So many people's roles are changing within um, the paradigm of their their businesses, and things look a lot different now. And I don't know exactly what the pandemic has to do with doing that, but I have someone here who does. Anil Delawalla, He's the managing director with Accenture Strategy. And apparently, um, the modern role of the CFO is changing exponentially quickly and fast. And um, for all sorts of different reasons, someone who was a CFO before maybe have just was the sort of the architecture of the financial stability of a, of a company. But now they're doing so much more. Thank you for being with us tonight, Anil.
5: Thank you, Laura, for having me. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this.
1: Yeah, so what, tell me, I mean, I as I said, a lot of people are changing the the way they do business, but also roles within companies um, that already exist are changing. Um, you've done a report that says the, the role of the CFO of a company has changed drastically. Tell us a little bit about what these changes are and why.
5: Absolutely. So the, the report is called CFO Now, Breakthrough Speed for Breakout Value. And Laura, what we looked at was we were at this unique moment in time where we knew the pandemic was you know, creating disruption within companies, within organizations, but there was also this pre-existing trends that companies were dealing with in terms of digitalization and changing consumer expectations and changing market and industry dynamics. And so we, we felt like this was a, a, a unique moment where chief financial officers and CFOs would definitely have to step forward. And the survey and the research board out nearly eight in 10 CFOs said that they had to accelerate and expand their roles. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the traditional role of the CFO in terms of being the financial steward of the enterprise. We call it the economic guardian. Um, So they're still continuing to do that. They're doing it in a more automated way. They're doing it with better data and, and, you know, um, with, with a little bit more technology, but they're they're having to go beyond that. They're having to become the architect of business value, where they partner across the management team, across the C-suite, and then they're also you know becoming a catalyst of digital strategy, where they're working with the chief executive officer, the CEO, to say what is the company going to look like three, five, ten years from now? What customers? What markets? What channels are we going to go after? But how are we going to do it with resilience, resilience to data security issues, resilience to environmental, social, and corporate governance type of concerns? So it's really about expanding the remit of the chief financial officer and making a durable difference across these three roles.
1: Now, is this something that happens within a company itself? Do you take the existing CFO and just sort of send him into training sessions with new digital strategies, perhaps software, different things like this that maybe they hadn't traditionally been using before? Or do you have to look outside and, and hire somebody who is more equipped with, with the way people are seeing the role of the CFO?
5: So Laura, that's, that's a great question. And there's not a, you know, a, a singular answer, a silver bullet answer for, for all companies. It's going to depend on, you know, the, the the bench of talent that they have within the company versus what they may be able to get from the outside. But generally, let's talk about the skill sets that we're seeing CFOs and senior finance leaders needing today. So historically, it's been about finance and accounting skill sets or, you know, MBA general management type skill sets that was your typical role profile what we're seeing happen now is a shift where the you know senior finance leaders they need data exploration data science data engineering type skills they need innovation skills not only how to how to conduct innovation within a company but how to manage that in terms of stage gates of funding and and you know a portfolio of bets you're going to make and then finally there's a lot of emphasis around communication around storytelling it 's not only about the numbers anymore but it 's about how are you going to weave together the story that convinces people to act in a different way, go in a different direction, to help capture market opportunity that is new and and you know harder to get
1: Wow, I mean it sounds pretty complex to me. Um, it, what you discussed before about addressing environmental, social, and, and government's uh, performance, can you elaborate a little bit on that and what that means in terms of their role and what, what they can be expected to kind of deliver in, in those areas specifically?
5: Yeah, fa- fantastic question. It's, and it's really one of the emerging areas. So environmental, social, and governance, ESG for short, um, is becoming an area that um, you know CFOs are having to lean into both because regulators are mandating that they do ESG reporting externally, but also because they want to do, they want to better link what the company invests in, where how they put their money where their mouth is in terms of linking their investments and their plans to what the corporation's purpose and mission is um, or, or what they communicate out to their consumers and customers. And in fact, our research showed that More than two-thirds, 68% of CFOs said that they take ultimate responsibility for that environmental, social, and corporate governance performance for, for the enterprise. So it's something that's emerging, but it's coming at them quickly.
1: I bet. And I know that um, from the report, you found out that speed is something, you know, in, in this day and age, speed is everything. Um, we, everything needs to be faster and answers faster. But tell us some of the new paradigms in the technology um, that are being used right now.
5: Absolutely. Speed, speed matters, doesn't it? Um, and so the, the, the two big technology trends that we're seeing, um, one is around data. So CFOs really going beyond the financial data that they've historically been comfortable with and weaving in, breaking down the silos and combining that financial data with operational data, with third party external macroeconomic data to bring that together and be able to answer questions um, in ways they were never able to answer before. And in doing so, the second big paradigm is around the cloud. So they're leveraging the cloud To, to, yes, ingest and store data more cheaply and, and do it, you know, with less carbon emissions as compared to traditional data centers. But where the real value is, is leveraging the algorithms and the artificial intelligence that are native to those, you know, cloud platforms to be able to weave that data together and create new insights and identify new trends and go after new value sources. So those would be the two big technology paradigms that CFOs are leaning into.
1: It's interesting to me. I'm thinking of kids going through college now and, you know, traditionally, like you said, if they had, you know, wanted to get into economics or see themselves as a CFO one day, you know, it was kind of thrust into the world of accounting and 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 economics. And now it's like everything else in the world. It's so linked to technology and and uh, the future of how, how we uh, go about our business and, and our social impact as well. Things have changed so much. But it's exciting too. I'm grateful for your information today. If you could just tell us, Anil Delawalla, where can people get more information on this report?
5: Absolutely, Lauren, and it is exciting. I think you used the the right word there. So Accenture.com slash CFO now, you can download the report. You can you know see the numbers, see the survey research, read it, understand it, and, and make it your own.
1: Thank you so much. Anil Delawalla, Managing Director with Accenture Strategy an amazing new world where we're all uh, in right now. Thank you so much, you're listening to The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Laura Smith and here's a minute of purpose, improving your life 60 seconds at a time. We're all aware of food pantries, but here comes the community fridge. This genius idea is helping support neighborhoods without easy access to fresh foods. Here's how it works. An old working refrigerator is sourced Often on Craigslist, it's then plugged in on the street, usually outside of a store or a restaurant. From there, the fridge is filled with daily donations from grocery stores, local residents, bakeries, rooftop gardens, and restaurants. All of it is free to anyone in need. Some folks even create homemade meals-to-go containers for hungry families. Volunteers keep the fridge clean and note the inventory. And some get creative posting artwork or news for the community on the outside. The concept of the community fridge is taking off in cities from Brooklyn to Berlin. Maybe there's somewhere near you that might benefit from one. This has been your Minute of Purpose. Find
0: more at NowWithPurpose.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, as if there wasn't enough to deal with um, these past, well, eight, nine, ten months um, of COVID-19 and the pandemic, Um, It seems like it was a little bit of open season and a field day for some cyber criminals. And um, this affected a lot of people in ways that maybe they're not aware of. I'm grateful to have Nick Rossman on today. He's a global threat intelligence lead, IBM Security X-Force. Sounds like something out of a a 007 movie. Nick, thank you so much for being on the show today.
3: Laura, thank you for having me.
1: So um, apparently uh, cyber criminals were out in full force uh, during 2020 and probably um, have continued on in 2021. If you could tell us a little bit about some of the biggest cyber trends um, and, and some of the research highlights you've had, and also the, the criminals that have been targeting COVID-19 efforts and consumer brands. How is this affecting just the average person sitting at home, maybe uh, during sheltering in place or, or just going about their working from home habits?
3: Well, Laura, attackers didn't take the pandemic off. They were at it more than ever. So first, you know, we continue to see phishing email and phishing attacks is one of the top ways to get into our consumer networks, but also corporate environments. And a phishing email, they're trying to create a message that looks like it's from a bank or someone you trust to be able to get you to click on that. Go to a website where they might have malware or try to steal your credentials. And oftentimes what we saw that those lures that tried to get you to click had something to deal with COVID-19. So it could have been about um, using your stimulus check. It could have been about PPE and 95 masks. We also saw uh, others related to the World Health Organization. So they use the COVID-19 themes to be able to get you to click on emails to steal data.
1: And people are just, you know, immersed online uh, over this past year um, with so many people working from home or just uh, sheltering at home. People are online all the time. And I mean, I personally try to, to, to make sure that I know what I'm clicking on before I click it, but, but it's harder to see some things and, and to really understand if, if there is something going on. What are some of the, maybe some of the more noticeable uh, brands that we would recognize where they're trying to get us to, well, basically lure us in, like you said?
3: Well, we take a look at the top ten spoofed brands. So that's where, like you said, there could be a, a O that becomes a zero in an address and or changing some words around. And really the attackers targeted our digital toolkit that we used to stay connected during the pandemic. Companies like Dropbox, Microsoft, Google, PayPal, you know, the ways we were able to talk to our friends and family and, and even occasionally our coworkers during this whole thing. Um, and it's nothing that these companies are doing in particular, uh, but it's how attackers are trying to use our trust in these companies as a way for them to get attention. And one of the unique ones we saw in 2020 was a consumer brand, Adidas, uh, hit the top 10. And in that particular case, you know, Adidas last year released two really popular shoes, uh, the Yeezy brand from Kanye West and also the Superstar Sneakers. And we saw sites that looked really convincing, trying to convince customers, individuals and sneaker heads that were interested in Kanye's cakes to try to get them to click. Uh, and it might be to steal information about them, use their credit card information when they're trying to make a purchase for sneakers as well. So attackers are really going after our trust in these tech brands, and now our social media influencers as well.
0: Mm,
1: goodness, it's really unsettling. Well, apparently nearly one in four attacks um, in 2020 were ransomware. Tell us a little bit about this and the groups um, you know, that are targeted. It, that's a scary thought that, that people feel like they have no other recourse but to give in to these demands.
3: It's, it's really scary it's so hard for companies and organizations so you know a ransomware attack is when an attacker gets into your network your computer they leave some malicious code in there that locks your computer up freezes it and they leave a ransom note that says hey pay us in bitcoin and we'll release your information now sometimes they don't release our information you know in the past year Um, We have seen attacks of ransomware in every industry and every geography, particularly now healthcare and the manufacturing sector. It's just a devastating attack. And companies, you know, they've, and organizations seem to think about a lot of things when they're confronted with these attacks. It can take days and millions of dollars to get back online after a ransom attack occurs, even if they have the best security practices in place. And oftentimes if life is at stake, if the company's entire value is, companies see the value in paying the ransom. Unfortunately though, that just fuels the ransomware market. It fuels the cyber criminals to keep going. one of the groups we track earned maybe about $120 million last year. This is big business and it's just been fueling during the pandemic.
1: So, so what do you do? If you don't give the money, then what happens?
3: Well, for a lot of organizations, they've had a backup strategy to recover. Um, but attackers realize that now. So they're also coupling their ransomware attack with stealing data. So your note not just says, hey, you know, we've got your computers locked up, but we've also stole 60 gigabytes worth of data. And then there's a scramble within the organization to figure out what the heck was stolen. You know We advise companies, have the latest detection technologies, an endpoint tool we call it. Basically, it, it sits on your laptop, able to learn more about what uh, your employees are doing on the network all the time, but also have a plan, have an incident response plan, a company like IBM ready to respond with you in the event of a crisis
1: okay and so what is just a, a person um not a company but uh, maybe a person mm-hmm. it does this happen to individuals um just regular people or does it have to be like a really high net worth person that they're going after
3: you know we see them from small you know individuals to big organizations fortune 500s to the ma and pop shop you know even state and local governments and, and school districts it is literally Everyone.
1: Gosh. And so what can consumers do? Is there something that they can load up onto their computer to, to stop this? Or is it, is it just education and training? And w- where should we be getting this? Where can we get more information and how can we protect ourselves, uh, Nick?
3: Well, first, you know, think about history repeats itself. We're going to see a lot of these themes around COVID-19 that the attackers are going to use in these spear phishing emails again and again. So be aware of that, especially now as we've gotten great news recently about the availability of vaccines. I think the other thing, examine where you're clicking. We talked about spoofed, that spoofed brands earlier. Really examine the links where you're going to. If you're getting them via e- email from your bank. Is your bank really contacting you? It's a really great idea to go back to the original website of the retailer to, or the bank to see if they're reaching out to you. Those messages will also be on their site. And the other thing, and I know consumers think, oh, well, we've heard this all before, is change your passwords. Don't use the same password on every account. If you're using the same one on your corporate email, your personal email, your bank account, your Facebook account, your Amazon account. You're just leaving yourself wide open to attacks. So change those passwords and use a password manager to keep track of them.
1: Very good. Thank you so much. Nick Rossman, Global Threat Intelligence Lead, IBM Security, X-Force. Give us a great website we can go to to get more information, please.
3: IBM.biz slash Threat Index 2021.
1: Okay, ibm.biz slash index?
3: Threat index, 2020.
1: Threat index. Okay, got it. Thank you so much, Nick Rossman. Really appreciate it. And hopefully um, people can be more aware and uh, really be ready for something like that. I appreciate you being on the way home.
3: Thank you. Stay safe out there online.
1: Thank you.
2: We'll be right back. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world? One life at a time.
3: Oh my goodness, it is amazing.
1: You know, Within
2: the,
3: the first day that I started taking the three
1: capsules, I felt a difference in my energy level. I've never had anything hit me that quickly. I take a walk every day because I have enough energy now to take a walk. And I ran into a neighbor. She was asking me, what in the world have you been doing? You look wonderful. You're losing weight, and you look great, and your color is just wonderful. And I said, it's this product, and I told her all about it. So it's an amazing product, and God bless you for coming up with it.
2: <laughs> Balance of Nature provides you with a natural energy boost without a caffeine crash, a 3 o'clock slump, or an early bedtime. Our proprietary blend has no additives or fillers, just the full nutritional value of 31 different fruits and vegetables.
4: This is a good product. I want to keep using it. I plan to be a lifelong customer.
3: I was convinced in the testimonials that I heard and I wanted to give this a
4: shot mainly because one of my mindsets is that I believe in preventative maintenance and I really do believe that balance of nature is a very important component of preventative maintenance. Having this product in your body every day supports your immune system. It gives you that psychological boost that you're doing something very good for your body And again, it's something that I plan to take for the rest of my life, every day, without fail. Money well spent. Money well spent.
2: Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code
1: Laura.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jim Cleafield. Well, people hear your voice all the time and they tell me what a beautiful voice you have. And it's really, I think it's a dying art. I'm so glad to have you here on the program every Sunday. And Bob Small. The engineer who is, uh, well, just the brains behind the whole operation.
0: <laughs> Lurking in the background, yeah. Yes, you are.
1: <laughs> Working in the background, but making it all sound good in the foreground. It's always good to be with you guys. And I love this part of the program where we get to focus on for a solid like five or six minutes just on good news that uh you have gone out and found in the world Jimmy Dean I really it, I, I am, am inspired just hearing them from you I don't allow myself to read the stories even though you send them to me um beforehand a, a, a beforehand I, I like to hear them right as you are giving them, because it really does. It just lifts me up. So what's your first story today?
0: Oh, I really appreciate all that, Laura. Well, you and I are game show fans, I know, but I know you love Jeopardy most of all. Well, I want to tell you about that other Merv Griffin creation called Wheel of Fortune, and the story of a contestant, you just don't hear this very often. So a gentleman from California by the name of Scott Colbrenner. And on the show recently, he won $145,000, 45000 on the front end, and then the $100,000 grand prize. And you know when the MC always says, what are you going to do with that money? They usually say, I want to buy a car, or maybe fix up my house, or maybe pay my kids education. Fine. No, he did something that's really unique. I rarely hear about this. He's giving all that money to two charities, two charities of oh my his goodness. Uh, in the L.A. area. One of them is Uplift Family Services. The other is Los Angeles's regional food bank he's going to give all that money to them and uh he just basically said uh you know he was hoping he was going to do a little bit well well he did more than that and uh he basically uh told Pat Sajak I guess that's what I wanted to do because he wanted to help others he said it's nice to win but I want I want people who are suffering to get some help from me and so I mean that's good impressive. for him I mean you rarely hear about this because game shows have done for years you know celebrities play for charity they've been doing it since the beginning of time but to hear from an everyday contestant that doesn't happen very often I'll tell you that
3: no.
1: Do we know whether or not he is sort of an independently wealthy guy? I mean, not to take away from that or anything. I think it's absolutely incredible um, that he could just do the, A lot of people, they win that money and boy, do they need it. Yeah, it doesn't um, say it
0: really. Uh, I just it's just something he wanted to do. Good for him. I mean, like yeah. I mean, how often do you hear a contestant uh, do something like that instead of for their own use? I think that's just the most wonderful and noble thing you can do.
1: It's pretty rare also on, on Wheel of Fortune. I actually watch it with my parents when I can. Uh, we enjoy it. And um, it, it's pretty rare that they win the $100,000 one. If they do win, it's usually 38000 mm-hmm. or the car or something like that. But the, to win the 100000 and then to give it all away, Wow, big hearts and uh, lot, lots of generosity there. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. What else do you have, Jimmy?
0: And also, uh, I guess, another L.A. theme, if you will. Well, guess what? That city uh, has a unique distinction. I'd say one of the hallmarks you know, during this pandemic and really the brightest spots we had is that while we were all in quarantine and we were locked down the way we were, a lot of people, including one of my own family members, adopted pets, right? I told you about that in the past. And anyway, Los Angeles is now for the first time in its history – a no-kill status city, and they're hoping this will go nationwide. I'll tell you all about that. They achieved that for the first time by... A saving rate of 90 percent of the animals or pets that are out there. I mean, none of them uh, were were put to sleep. I mean, they were adopted. Well, it happened a couple of weeks ago by Best Friends Animal Society. Now, that's a nonprofit that uh, does it out uh, outreach nationwide with shelters, rescue groups, pet adoption, etc. And because of Best Friends, they were able to make L.A. No Kill, and they're hoping to take this program on a national basis as uh, the year goes on. They say the nationally recognized benchmark to be considered no-kill, you have to take into account that about 10% of pets who enter shelters in medical circumstances lead to humane societies, giving it to, to families. And so uh, I think, really, if there has been a bright spot in all of this is that people are adopting animals because, let's face it, we haven't been able to get out and hug people, go out socially, and it's certainly made a difference in my life because without those furries I visit occasionally, I don't know where I'd be. <laughs>
1: I, I, You know, I agree with that. And actually, this past week, it was National Puppy Day. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend who is selling a little Pomeranian puppy. And I have been sitting on the fence because I just currently have two cats. And I know that when you bring a puppy into the household, it's a whole different uh uh, a whole different thing and, you know, different energy and then also a lot of to take care of and train a puppy takes a long time. So I'm, I'm on the fence, but I'll tell you what I've been thinking a lot about adopting. And then there's another dog, um, in the neighborhood that, um, is actually chained up all the time. Oh. And I have, I get so sad about that. I go and take it treats as much as I can, but I've been thinking of maybe offering to buy that dog off of those people too. Now I'm doing all this as I'm moving into a new house with all brand new floors and everything. I'm not sure what I'm thinking, but uh, anyway, yes, uh, that's such a great news that um, they're not killing the animals because I just think there's nothing sadder than to think of these these pets ending up in these situations where they don't get adopted, and then, and then they get euthanized. So, way to go, California, on that one. And um, I really, yeah, that would be awesome if the entire country and the world uh, adopted. You those. know
0: why, Laura? Because you and I have empathy for a lot of things, especially for animals. We Absolutely,
1: have Bob. Have you ever had a pet?
0: Yeah, a long time ago, I had a couple of pets. There were cats. There were there was one dog. Yeah. A poodle. Yeah, okay. Mm. A miniature poodle. I was, wasn't really my kind portal. of dog, but it was supposed to be my dog. Uh,
1: <laughs> what was his name?
0: Toby. Toby? Oh, that's cute. Yeah. yeah.
1: Very cute. My sister's
0: oldest, well, the, the big one, Kaya, she whines so much. Uh, she has a nickname the kids gave her called Kraya because she whines <laughs> all the time. <laughs> it's true. That's it's true. Cute.
1: She's the boxer, right?
0: Yeah, the boxer uh, pit bull mix. Yeah, I mean, she's. Yeah. I can barely pick her up now. Mm. Yeah, I Beautiful. really can. Beautiful.
1: Well, we do love our animals. Thanks for the great news, Jimmy, as always. And Any Bob, time. thanks for the for always uh, my, um, minding the helm of the ship of the way home. I oh, yeah, appreciate Kevin. it. <laughs> all right, Kevin. <laughs> uh, great to see you guys because um, I'm actually looking at you on Zoom, even though everyone's hearing you on the radio. We so appreciate you being with us, along with us. Have a wonderful week. Stay positive. Stay healthy. Um, all the things that make you uh, live the life of your dreams. I'm Laura. We'll see you next Sunday night.